Hallelujah. <clears throat> Let's look to the Lord in prayer before we start. Father, we just thank you once again this morning. We have come to your throne room of grace to seek for mercy and for grace in the time of need. And this morning, once again, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, open our hearts, Lord. Your word says, even as we have sung, O oh Lord, that you're looking into our hearts, into our hearts, bring us back to that heart of worship. Father, your word says, O oh Lord, Father, offer ourselves as a living sacrifice in the light of the mercies that we have obtained, we have received. Father, that is a reasonable act of our worship. And therefore, this, and this, for this evening, morning, O oh Lord, even as we meditate upon your word, I pray that you would transform us by the renewing of our mind. That we may prove that which is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Enable us, Lord Father, to reject every pattern of this world, no matter how good it might seem to our natural man. Grant us spiritual ears and a spiritual dis- uh, discernment and the, and the discipline to be able to, Father, um, distinguish between that which is of the world and that which is of God. You know, Father, to that and I pray that you would bless and anoint even the speaking and the hearing of this word. For in Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Already, so let's turn to uh, Psalm 57, verse 1 to 3. And Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. I will cry to the Lord to our God Most High, to God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. Selah, God shall send forth his mercy and truth. And this promise is given to all those who take shelter under the shadow of his wings, who abide under the shadow of his wings. And therefore, Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2 will say, He who dwells, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. And the word for dwell will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of my Lord, uh, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. You see, though only those who dwell in the secret place, those who dwell in the secret place have a confession. I will say, you 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 don't have a confession unless and until you have a, a, posi- a, a, a position of rest. That's exactly what dwelling means. Dwelling means to rest in the presence of God. To rest from our works. That's what it says. He who has entered into God's rest has rested from his own works as God did from his. We are restless until we find our rest in God. And all of our works, no matter how how good it might seem to the natural eye or even to the soulish or the intellectual eye or the intellectual mind, um, it Without God, it is a dead work and it is not considered as a righteous work. And those who dwell or abide or are seated with him um, are the people who uh, who, uh, who can confess, I will say of my Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. That's exactly what Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 to 6 will say. This is what it says. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 to 6 and then verse, verses 9 and 10. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. He was rich in mercy even when we were dead in our trespasses. Made us alive together with Christ by by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and and made us sit. You see that? Made us to dwell. 
together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's a spiritual position that God has afforded toward us um, when he uh, gave us new birth. And therefore it says in verses 9 and 10, it says, Not a works lest anyone should boast, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works or unto good good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, that we should live in those works that God has uh, for us even before the foundation of the world were laid. And that is the reason why we've been looking at dwelling in that place, Jerusalem, the place of teaching. Okay, we looked at the five C's yesterday. What is it? A place of covering, a place of coaching, a place of controlling, a place of chastising, a place where you're being cared for by God. Okay. That is what Jerusalem is. And then you leave Jerusalem and you uh, try to go to Jericho, you will be um, ambushed by the thieves. Okay. And you know this the thieves, what does he do? He comes to steal. And we understood what, what, what steal means. He comes to kill. And we understand what kill means. And he comes to destroy. And we understood what destroy actually means in spiritual terms. Yeah. It's very subtle. Okay. What we are given as a parable, we need to understand the phys- uh, the spiritual reality between what is go- behind what is going on. And then we also looked at what the enemy does. It's he strips us of our clothes, of our righteousness, of our of our righteousness, of our separation, of our um, holiness. Okay, and makes us common. And that is very important because in the spiritual realm we become naked. Okay, that's exactly what what uh, what happened to Saul. We looked at the example of Saul, and we also looked at the example of Jehoshaphat, who was worshiping the Lord in the splendor of holiness. And when he was worshiping the Lord in the splendor and the beauty of holiness, when he put on the garment of holiness, a garment of separation, you see there's a spiritual battle which is going on in the heavenlies, and the entire army which was against Israel gets gets destroyed. Okay, and that's what he says here, you inhabitants of Judah and the inhabitants of who? Where? Jerusalem. Okay, worship the Lord. Believe in the Lord and you will be established and believe in his prophets and you shall prosper. So we understood what it means to dwell and what, what, what happens when we leave and we also understood the spiritual, spiritual implications and therefore the exhortation is always to abide or dwell or to sit in the heavenly places or to rest in, he- in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, uh, if you remember the first psalm, it says, Psalm 1 will say, um, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth, nor stands in the way of sinners, and sits in the seat of the scornful. That is also Yashav, by the way. In other words, who dwells in the, in the seat of the scornful. What happens? You start, if you listen to the counsel of the ungodly, and you stand in the way of sinners, ultimately you will sit. Walk, stand, sit. Okay. Whereas, it is completely the ulta in the spiritual life. How does it? Sit, walk, stand. Seated together with him in heavenly places. Uh, walk with him in the sense that um, he has created us unto good works before the foundation of the world was laid so that we walk in them and then we stand against the wiles of the wicked one by putting on the full armor of God. Whereas you see, what does the ungodly do? He walks in the counsel of the ungodly. Okay, A man who walks in the counsel. He stands in the way of sinners and sits in the seat of the scornful. Ultimately, he rests there and he becomes a scoffer. 
The guy who scoffs, mocks at authority, and that's exactly what will happen in the last days. Scoffers will rise up. Um, both Peter and Jude will warn us. It's a spirit of scoffing, mocking, looking down upon. Okay. Simply because they are not able to live up to the standards. That's exactly the reason why they mock. You see, why do people mock? Why do, because simply because you stand as a, as a, what do you say, um, a kind of a, um, uh, what do you say, accu- you, 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 it's like you're accusing them. It's like you, they feel accused. They feel really, uh, low in your presence in terms of spiritual, um, in, in terms of your walk and in terms of your righteousness, in, in, in terms of your standing and in terms of your convictions that you stand for, etc. Okay. And scoffers will, will rise in the last days. And therefore it is important to ask ourselves these questions. Where are we seated? Where do we dwell? Okay. Dwell in the secret place or do we dwell or sit in the seat of the scornful? Okay. The, it's interesting. We'll go to there, go to that place, maybe in the, in the course of our study today. It says the very first time the word dwell, when it occurs in the Bible, you know where it occurs? If you take the guess, excuse me, uh, no, it's it's Genesis chapter 4 in the study of Cain, or rather in the story of Cain, Cain departs from the presence of the Lord and dwells in a place called Nod, Nob, Nob, yeah, Nob. You know what Nob means? Wandering. He dwells means he's resting in wanderings. It's the very first time and he becomes ultimately a scoffer. A wanderer, a fugitive, a vagabond. You looked at that, right? Fugitives, pilgrims, and what is that? The other one? Forget that. Vagabonds, if I'm right. Fugitives, vagabonds, and and pilgrims. Yeah. So it's impo- important us to, for us to dwell. So let's look at John's Gospel 40, 15 to understand what it means to dwell or to abide, to stay, to live. Let's read from verses 1 to 10. And we'll try to understand what it means. I am the true wine and my father is the wine dresser. True wine. Wine dresser. Okay. So, uh, remember the parable of the vineyard? So who is the true wine? Jesus is the true wine. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that bear fruit, bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in me. Neither can you unless you abide in me. For without you, uh, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without you, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather him and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask, uh, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done to you or done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples. Awesome, right? As as the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So many times the word abide, abide, abide comes. Okay, we sing that song. Abide. For, you remember the song? And by the way, they sing that song when the, huh? You, you know where they also sing that song, that hymn? They sing it during the EPL, English Premier League, when it starts off. 
Yeah, you're long, you're all laughing, but it's, it's a fact. Yeah. So abide in me. Alright. Anyways, I am the true vine. So let, let's, let's five things. First, first thing, we just post observation. We looked at, the, looked at this in so many contexts. I want to, uh, zero in on one thing, but I'll just, um, enumerate for our consideration. In order to bear fruit unto God, I need to stay in Him. That's very clear. Abide in Him. Stay in Him. Because He is a God who looks for fruit. Yeah? Exactly. We see that in Isaiah chapter 5. We see that in Matthew chapter 1 in the parable of the wine dressers uh, and, and of the vineyard. And we see that in the parable of the fig tree in Luke's gospel chapter 13. When, and we also see uh, when Jesus goes to, and he goes to the temple and he sees that fig tree. He goes near the fig tree and looks for fruit. He doesn't find it and he curses it. So God is a God who looks for fruit. Okay. He looks for return for his investment, ROI. Return on investment. What did he invest? Himself. In his son. He poured his life through his son for our sake. Okay, ultimately, you need to understand. Therefore, he absolutely expects boss. Okay, So, don't worry. Why is he expecting fruit? He's a generous God. Nonsense. <laughs> he is expecting fruit because he's a generous God. Alright. Second. Second. In, uh, so, how do we, how do we bear fruit is by abiding in him or to, or be joined together with him. Remember Leah, right? Leah says uh, when she bears, uh, the third son, if I'm right, it's uh, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, yeah. Ru- uh, third son, she says, my husband is gonna join together with me. But thank God, uh, that doesn't happen, thankfully, for whatever reason. But he, she names her son Levi and ultimately Levi will be the first person who will be joined to the Lord. And therefore there is a covenant that God makes with Levi that he is going to be the priest unto God. So if you think about what does it mean? In order for me to bear fruit, I have to be joined together with him. Okay. Alright. So if you turn to Romans chapter 7 and read in verse 4 4, uh, if you can put it in the ESV it will be great. Yeah. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the Lord through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. Another translation which use the word joined to another. I think it's uh, NKJV. You see that? NKJV? I don't know. Married, yeah. Married to another. Married to another or belong to another. To him who has been raised from the dead that we should bring forth what? Fruit unto God. That is what abiding means. Meaning, one thing, I need to be married to Jesus. To bear fruit to God, unto God. That is what abiding means. To have a relationship through a covenant. And that's the reason why he says, um, uh, Christ, um, what do you say, cleanses his bride by the washing of water by the word, so that he can present unto himself a bride without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. Okay, so... That's the fruit that he's looking for. He wants to be joined. He wants us to be joined with him. And we are, in fact, joined with him. When we have died to ourselves and when we are born again and when we go through the waters of baptism, one of the things that we have made is a covenant with God and we have entered into a covenantal relationship with God. And that is the reason why what what does does, uh, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 say? That day will not come unless what happens first, the apostasy or the falling away or the divorce happens. You see? Think about it, no? Divorce is a... I mean, husband and wife 
we have through the pandemic we had so many issues remember the question and answer sessions stress on the marriage in different 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 homes people just giving up yeah. just wanting to leave yeah. need to understand this is such a uh, I, 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 in a relationship okay especially when a husband and wife are growing in the relationship together they'll be they'll come a point both of them know it, whatever happens we are in this together <laughs> okay whatever happens okay we have come to the point where we absolutely know yeah we might fight we might argue we might we might have disagreements we might we might uh, throw tantrums on each other okay come what may we know we are in this together we are that that there's a solid bond which has been established right i mean you should not be too certain about it because love of many will grow cold in the last days but having said that you can come to a point in your life where you know that you are not going to leave your wife and she also knows that she's not going to leave you both of you know okay no can every husband say that about his wife not every husband can say that can every wife say that about her husband similarly god is not going to leave me but will i leave god okay that's exactly what happens in jeremiah he says you know what you wanted to go after your idols right okay fine you're not interested in me so take this and go i mean it's it's how 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 um jesus was asked this question right what does he say? Uh, Moses asked us to give a certificate of divorce and then you know what Jesus makes a statement he says because of the hardness of your heart oof Moses allowed this but right from the beginning it was not like that so abiding means staying put in that relationship no matter what okay staying put in that relationship riches or in poverty or in sickness or in health that is the reason why the secret of paul's life was this i have learned the secret to be content in whatever situation i'm in i know how to be abased i know how to be abound in all things i can do all things through christ who strengthens me he has and he says my god shall supply your need i don't need needs because i have my god if if you if you don't help me god will find somebody else to help me God's hand is not shortened. It's your privilege. I mean, you have the the, the kind of confidence he's got. He says it's like this, no? It is your privilege that you are helping me. That is the confidence that man has. How many <laughs> servants of God can say that? <laughs> it's your privilege that you are helping me, and have no element of pride at all when they are making that statement it's an absolutely absolute statement of absolute humility and knowing their their relationship with god is so confident in that relationship with god no matter what god is going to find a way to help them and he says in my first defense everyone forsook me but the lord himself stood by me and strengthened me what is that confidence 
You understand what I'm talking about? So, this is it. You're staying put in that relationship. You're not going to give up no matter what. So, can, can God count on you is a question. I remember that, that that scene in Shawshank Redemption when when uh, when this guy is up on the terrace there they're tarring the terrace. Remember that scene? And uh, and that and the and the and that guy, the police head, he's discussing with his with his uh, colleagues and he says, you know what, my uncle left me some property and uh, I've got a will, I've got so much of money, and he's those guys ask him, Why are you so sad? He says, I have to pay so much of taxes. And ultimately what I'm going to get is just a small fraction of what has been uh, given to me or left to me in the will. And this guy who's an ex-banker, he's listening to this conversation and he wants to help him. So he comes to the <laughs> to the guy and he asks him this question. Do you trust your wife? That guy gets so... He said, what did you say? Will your wife go behind your back and try to hamstring you? (laughs) He gets so upset, he catches him by the throat and he wants to throw him out of the roof. And he says, just even as he's about to throw him, stop, stop, let me explain, let me explain. If you can trust your wife, you can give that entire money as a gift to her tax-free. He stops. What a question to ask, can you trust your wife? This is amazing, right? Like, that that's exactly how God, maybe uh, Satan asked God, can you trust your wife? Accuser of the brethren, right? He's called. Can you trust? Can you be trusted is a question. No? So, to be joined together with him so that we may bear fruit to God. So, first thing, to bear fruit to God is to stay in that relationship. Period. Lord, Lord, like study we looked at it, right? If you go to the message translation in John's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 68 and 69, 68, 69, 70. In the message translation, if you don't mind, please. Actually, you can go look from 66, like 66 onwards, okay? 66 also, you get a context as as to what is going on over here. After this, a lot of his disciples left. Lot of his disciples left. They no longer wanted to be associated with him. They did not want to stay with him. They did not want to walk with him. Okay. Then Jesus gave the 12 their chance. Do you also want to leave? What a question to ask. And then look at the next verse. Peter replied, Master, to whom would you, would we go to? You have the words of real life, eternal life. We've already committed ourselves Confident that you are the only one of the holy one of God. We have committed ourselves. We are not drawing back, period. Maybe for a moment we might, but that was only because of fear. But deep down inside of our heart, our intention is to hold on to you, no matter what. Okay? So, that is the first thing. So, second thing we understand from this passage in John's Gospel chapter 1, we can do nothing and nothing which is of eternal consequence unless we abide in him. Right? We can't bear fruit unless we stay with him. We uh, And he is a God who looks for, looks for fruit. Fruit and we can do nothing unless we abide in, abide in him. That is, we can do nothing of eternal value without abide in, abiding in him. And third thing we looked at was, if we don't abide in him, we'll be like a branch which is broken and we'll wither. 
and will be burnt. Now, um, I was living a few years back, I was living in Lothkunta, right? <clears throat> Across, I mean, exactly opposite our home, there was a huge neem tree. Neem trees, right? You know neem trees, right? Lush green, okay? Lush green, so beautiful. <coughs> One day, <coughs> there was a, uh, there was a, some kind of a heavy wind and a rain, followed by rain. A part of that neem tree, because of that wind, just cracked. So the branch cracked and it was hanging. Okay. It just cracked and it was hanging. So this is the neem tree and the branch was hanging like that. And after a few days, it was green for a first few days and slowly it started to wither. It, you should, I mean, I was, I was looking at it and I was, I mean, just the side, okay. Looking at it, the entire tree was green and you will see after maybe about 15 or 20 days or possibly a month, this, this branch which was cut off from that tree became absolutely dry. Branches green, all the other branches green, this fellow is absolutely dry. Cut off. Just to see that the life is gone. Cut off from the life. And what makes us cut off from the life of God? It says, your iniquities have separated you from me. My hand is not shortened, but your iniquities have separated. My hand is absolutely sufficiently long <laughs> to save you. Okay, so without, so if you don't abide in him, we will be cut off and therefore we will begin to wither. And before we know it, we are gone. Initially, we might still look green, like exactly what happened to uh, Adam and Eve. In the day thou shalt eat of the tree, thou shalt what? Surely die. Did they die? Adam lived for 930 years after that. But that day, when they were cut off from the life of Christ, what is corruption began to set in. It was slow because the flood did not take place. Okay. The canopy was there. We were looking at, we were living in an oxygen rich environment. Those days. And therefore, we were living long. And they did that experiment, by the way. Uh, they did it on animals. They put a oxygen-rich environment, another animal which was not in such a uh, rich environment. And that fellow died early and this fellow lived for long. Okay, they did all those kinds of experiments, by the way. Okay, Chuck Missler in one of his studies talks about it, by the way. Okay, they were living in an oxygen-rich environment and then 930 years, Methuselah 969 years, they all lived for a long time, but they all died. And if you look at Genesis chapter 5, you'll see, died, 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 died. Seth had so-and-so, died. That fellow had so-and-so, died. And then Methuselah, uh, sorry, Enoch had Methuselah, Enoch was taken. Methuselah had uh, Lamech, if I'm right, and Lamech died. Methuselah died. Noah, if you, if it's as if you're going through a graveyard. That entire chapter is death, 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 death. They all died. They lived long, but they all died. They were cut off from the life of God. So, if we don't abide in Him, we'll be cut off. We might, and it's very, very, what do you say, subtle. It might, it's very slow. As a, like drifting, right? Drifting is a slow process, but, and before you know it, you're cut off from the 
life of God. Third, we, uh, fourthly, we looked at that. We look, uh, we look from this, uh, uh, from this passage. Let my words abide in you. What should abide? Words should abide. Words should make a dwelling place in our lives. Whose words? Jesus' words. You know, if you look at the one uh, psalm in the entire Bible, which talks about the word of God, you know, is Psalm 119, 176 dimensions of the, of the word of God. And it's divided into 22 stanzas. 22 stanzas. And each stanza has got 8 lines. Okay. It's ta- 8 lines. 22 stanzas. Each stanza is having that has a heading, and that heading is essentially the heading of the Hebrew alphabet. The first is Aleph. Okay, so one to eight is Aleph. From nine to sixteen is Beit. You know what the word Beit means? House. Okay, so look at Psalm 119, <laughs> verses nine to sixteen. Look at what it says. Psalm 119, verses nine to sixteen. You just can read from one verses nine to eleven. It's enough. Okay, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart have sought you. Oh, let me not what? Wander from your commandments. Meaning what? Let me be at the place where your commandments are constantly being preached. In other words, let me stay at a place where I am exposed constantly to your commandments. You understand? The, 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 the picture of house. And verse 11 is home. It goes home. Your word. Have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you? See? That is how we don't sin against God. By making our house or our heart the our dwelling place for the word of God. Not just memorizing it. Memorizing is good, by the way. If you are a young guy, memorize as much. Or rather, train your mind to memorize. Train your mind to? Some people, uh, you need to, it's, it's a good exercise. Training your mind to memorize. So that even when you grow old, because you've trained your mind to memorize, it's easy to memorize. Not a big deal. Okay. Train your mind to memorize. But that is not the point. The point is that the word which is there in your head, in your brain, in your database, memorizing is only database. No. That has to percolate into your soul and into your spirit. Okay. So that is first, that is what we call as eating. Grass, like a cow. You know how the cow eats grass, right? Before you know it, the whole uh, field is nicely mowed. It's a natural lawn, lawn mower. And eats it and it goes to its home. It takes out all the food that it has eaten. It starts memorizing it. That is what we call as, not memorizing, med- ruminating over it. That is what we call as uh, memorizing or meditation. And what is happening when he is meditating, that grass which was stored, now becomes life. You understand? The grass which was stored in the, in the whatever system, wherever it has stored its grass, now becomes life. So same, same, in the similar way, you start feeding on the word of God, store it in some place, and then bring it out and start memorizing. And the grass which you stored will begin to become life. You start being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you don't conform to the pattern of this world. And it's easy to memorize, by the way. Okay, we have, we've started, we, when you're, when you're a kid. Okay, like for example, this year we have started uh, teaching, uh, making uh, children memorize Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. They did Psalm 119, so we are taking a little, a leap of faith and saying, let them get the entire book of Ephesians. Let, let's try it out. So we had a new admission in our school. 
the parents are like oh my goodness uh, uh, efficiency is so difficult and the kjv is a little more confusing my child is trying it uh, finding it really really difficult to go through this process and you know what in one week we actually proved to the stu- to the parents that you can memorize and children can do it faster it's difficult for you not for the child because it is difficult for you you project that uh, that thing onto the child A child has got incredible capacity, I'm telling you honestly. Catch them when they are young and then watch them grow. Catch them when they are young and watch them grow. Oh boy! And that is the reason why one of the things that I'm really praying to God for is that Lord grant me a special burden for children. You think that uh, it is uh, easy to mentor elders than to mentor children. No. It's completely different. It's easy to mentor children than to mentor elders. That is the reason maybe I've chosen that path. I don't know. <laughs> it's really, it's a fact. You tell them certain things, I'll do it. Okay. And you tell them in love and you tell them with firmness, they'll get it. But you have to be consistent. Okay. That's just besides the point. So, Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. Look at what it says. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Ah, let the word of Christ. Read that word. Dwell. Ah, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonition and admonishing one another. So, in other words, be rich in terms of possessing the word of God. And take every opportunity to store up the word of God. How? In all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another, and in your worship, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in, in your in your hearts to the Lord. I mean, I can just just talk about this verse for a long time. But look at, see, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of Word of Christ. Ha, ha, ha. And how should it dwell? Let the word of Christ, which brings forth faith, dwell. Meaning, let it be comfortable in your home. And how should it dwell? Richly. Okay. So, which place is comfortable for a man to stay? In a rich man's house or in a poor man's house? Answer, uh, rich man's house, because he's got all the facilities for him to grow. So, provide yourself all the facilities in your brain or in your mind or in your heart, so that the word of Christ is comfortable. So, provide all, all wisdom, teaching, admonishing, all kinds of, what do you say, um, suvidhaya bolte usko hindi mein. Comforts or um, no 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 um, I'm not able to get it in uh, in, in in English. It, it's it, it's actually uh, it's not easy to uh, translate it. Provide for yourself all kinds of. Um, Resources, yes, exactly. All resources for the word of Christ to dwell in you richly. A lot of people are rich in, they are 
forever providing for, for, them, for, for themselves comforts to dwell in this life. But they are forgetting about making the word of Christ to dwell in a place where he feels comfortable. If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, 2 and 3, look at what it says. It says, uh, you can put it in, uh, yeah, exactly, you can put it in ESV, okay. Therefore, since a promise, okay, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, just as to them, but the message that they hear, heard did not profit them because they were united, they were not united with faith with those who listened. Meaning, the word of God did not find faith in you. That is where you, that's, the word of God is looking for faith. Okay, it's not mixed with faith. Matlab is looking for a comfortable seat called faith to go and lie down. Hmm. <laughs> and what is, what, are, what does it find? It finds thorns called unbelief. He says, no, oh, no, I can't tell you here, please. Immediately, it's like, it just goes away. Looking for a comfortable place called faith to lie down in, and what does it what does it find? It finds thorns. And he says, No, 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 I can't bear to stay here. And goes out. You lay down a bed of thorns <laughs> for the word of faith. Why will it dwell in you, Baba? <laughs> Why will it dwell in you? You understand? Okay, so let the word of God dwell in you richly. How? In all wisdom, in teaching, 3.16, please go, go, go there, 3.16. Colossians. All wisdom, all teaching and admonishing. In other words, did you find comfortable seats in your home, in your, in your mind, so that your word of God is able to dwell in you? No, no, brother, there's no... I don't have money to buy those seats or those furnitures. Okay, let me provide for you. In other words, do you spend or invest in in enabling that you have a disposition to receive the word of God? You see, this is an investment. You understand that? So, and then sing, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts. I can go on and on. So I just want to stop there because I have, of course, I've got so many other things to share today. So, let my words abide in you. And if the word of God finds a comfortable seat in your heart, you know what happens? If you go back to uh, verse 7 and 8, look at what it says. Of 15. John 15, 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Why? Because delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. No, the word of God is transforming your mind and you know what is a good, acceptable and the perfect will of God. And therefore, what you ask will be according to God's will. Like we saw in the Nepali service yesterday about uh, whatever you ask according to God's will. In John, 1 John chapter 5 verse 14, if I'm right, don't have to turn there. By this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. So what, is, what do disciples bear? They bear fruit. And one of the fruits that they bear is a fruit of discipline. And what is the fruit of discipline? Peaceable fruit of righteousness. Okay, so that's it. Let the word of God abide in you richly. Third, and finally the fifth, E, E, okay. 
go back to verses 9 and 10. As the father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. So how do you do that? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So you keep your commandments. In other words, if you keep my commandments, you will keep my love. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you so much. If you keep my commandments, you will keep my love. You feel my love, Gado? Keep my love. He's hiding me behind, hiding himself behind Sammy's head. Okay, no problem. I'll find you again. I'll search you out and I'll find you. <laughs> so, abide. Abide. So how do you abide in his love? By keeping his commandments. And if you keep his commandments, you will keep. You'll be kept. You'll keep yourselves in his love. Jude 1 verses 20 and 21. Look at what it says. But you, okay, but meaning so many fellows are there who are contrasted here. Okay. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, what should you do? Keep yourselves in the love of God. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 5. You know this very well. One of my favorite verses. So you would have known it very well. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the word of God, into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. So what is the, what is the admonition and given in Jude? Jude is saying, go back there. He says, but you, my brothers, building yourself up in the most holy faith. There is faith. There is holy faith. There is most holy faith. Three categories. Very obvious. There is faith, there is sanctified faith, there is most holy sanctified, most sanctified faith. That means your faith itself has to keep, keep on being sanctified, Baba. Okay, I don't know how, we'll, we'll talk about that later on. Build, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, and then keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, how do you keep yourselves in the love of God? And then what happens if you keep yourselves in the love of God? The fourth thing that happens is you, and uh, four things that you have to do is looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So, let us just understand how you keep yourself in the love of God. How you build yourself in the most holy faith. Okay. First, just verse 21. Keeping yourself in the love of God. How do you keep yourself in the love of God? Now, if you read the chapter, he's contrasting. It starts with, but you. You should keep yourselves in the, what of God? In the love of God. Those other fellows, they did not keep themselves in the love of God. So if you understand the contrast, you'll, you'll know how, what not to do so that you'll be kept in the love of God, right? You understand the context here? So how do you keep yourself in the love of God? First thing, if you turn with me to Jude 1 verse 5. Whom you should not be like, so that you can be, so that you can keep yourself in the love of God. But I want to remind you that though you once knew this, that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward did not 
after destroyed those who did not believe. So how do you keep yourself in the love of God? By dealing with what we call as unbelief. That is what it says, right? In Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, don't, don't have to turn there. If you believe, all things are possible for the fellow who believes. Lord, I believe. But he says, Lord, help my unbelief. So how do you keep 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 yourself in the love of God? By dealing with unbelief. I told you, right? The word of God should find what? Place in your heart. And it should, it should find a comfortable cushion called faith. But the moment it doesn't see faith, it sees taunts called unbelief. It just says, no, I can't dwell here. Let me get out. Word of God has got the power to work in those who believe. You know, Telugu letter on the Karya sadhakamu cheyagaligina viswasam. The one which is able to, ah, it's very difficult to come, uh, tra- translate that. Okay. It's, 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 um, yeah, it's got the power to work in those who believe in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13, if I'm right. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13. For this reason, only 13, okay? For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you received the what? The word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men. Okay? That is the reason why Abraham is 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 is, is um, really um, commended for his faith when he sees those three angels. Wow! What he does, right? He makes that... Just, just imagine, what are, who, are, who are angels? Angels, nothing but, means nothing but, excuse me? Another word for angel, to the angel of the church of Sardis. Okay, another, another translation. Pastor is fine, yeah. Huh? No, okay, fine, fantastic. All those are fine, but you are not, you, that one thing which I am wanting from you are not. Kya baat hai? Doctor is always on the, on the, on the money. Messenger. That's what he says. When you go into the town, see for a guy called as a son of peace. So it is important not just to receive the message, it is also important to receive the messenger. I mean, the way you treat the message and messenger shows as to how you treat the message. It may not be a necessary or a sufficient condition, but it's a condition. Maybe we can talk about the logic later on. But, but, that is the reason why he says in, uh, he says in um, Hebrews chapter 13, he says, those who minister in the word should be counted for double honor. Double, double. Not single. Double. <laughs> but let me tell you something. I have, for, for me, that, that was the most important thing for me in my life. Even before I was called into the full-time, uh, full-time ministry or the preaching ministry. Messengers of God, even if I do not know them, I treat them with utmost respect. Utmost. Very, very important for me. Right from uh, the time I got saved. All my mentors who mentored into my life, who spoke in the word of God into my life, I treat them with tremendous respect. Tremendous. 
It's very important for me. So that's the reason why Paul says, 9-5, 2 Corinthians. If I am right. 9-7. Oh. No, 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 no. Just give me a minute. I'll tell you the exact verse. Yeah, verse 8. Verse. uh, It says. Was seven, huh? No, 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 no. Abound in this gift also, it says. As you abound in every other gift. Where is that? Okay, don't worry. If it's not there. Eight, nine, ten? Nine, eight? Are you sure? No, no. It's okay. Don't worry. Okay. No, that's not the one. Don't worry. So let's let's go on. So um where was, where was I? Yeah. So eight seven. So the word of God has got power to work in those who eight seven, huh? Eight seven, yeah, yeah, eight seven, eight seven, yeah. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, not just diligence. Sampurna diligence. All diligence under. That's all it is in Telugu. Okay. Diligence and in your love for who's that Asbaba? See that you abound in this grace also. You are abound in your love for those who minister the word. Respect and honor has to be given to them. So that is the reason why, you know, I don't have issues with people um, getting familiar and I mean, you can addressing, but I always want to address with respect. Okay. Right. Always want to address with respect. Even when you call somebody father, you call him in, in our culture, how do you call him? You just say pita. You say pitaji. In, 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 in Andhra, it is very, very careful. Nana, ano, nanagaru. Tata, ano. Tata Garu. Garu is added for respect. Yeah. So, very important. All these things are important. Important. These are disciplines, decorums. Let it become a part of your life. It is only for your safety. Kada. Understand that. It is for your safety. Oh, why should I not do it? You do it, Baba. Okay. The truth, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you Free. These are not restrictive things. This is for respect. Okay. Respect. Okay. If you know me, you know what I'm talking about. Alright. So let's move on. So the word of God has got the power to work in those who believe. So what should you deal with? If you want to keep yourself in the love of God, deal with unbelief. And how does unbelief set in? Turn with me to 316. Hebrews. Four. Who having 315, if I'm right, not 316, 315. 
Yeah. While it is said today, if 315 onwards, okay. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the, as in the rebellion. For who having heard rebel? Indeed, was it not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Absolutely. And then, now with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And then, just give me a minute. Hebrews uh, chapter 3 only. Uh, and verse 19, if I'm right. No, 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 no. Uh, 3 and verse... Uh, 13, verse 13, 13, 13, the 12 and 13, 12 and 13, 12 and 13, sorry, 12 and 13. Beware brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil heart, just not a heart. See, unbelief is a terrible sin, more dangerous than lust and adultery. An evil heart of unbelief in what? In departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's what I'm saying, right? When if you if you if you bring a guest into your house and you give him the hard stony bed for him to sleep, will he come the next day? What he says, a heart, hard, where the, when the word of God falls, the falls of the air will come and eat it off. Stony heart. And if you don't have that, if you don't have that kind of a heart, where your heart is receptive and tender to receive the word of God, you cannot keep yourself in the love of God. So if you want to abide in him, you should abide in his love. You have to be, you have to keep the love of God. And if you want to keep the love of God, you keep yourself in the love of God. What you should keep, you should have a heart which is sensitive and tender and, and, and not hardened at all. Like the way Saul, my goodness, ultimately says in Samuel chapter 28, Saul, God did not answer him by visions or dreams or by Urim or by Thummim. Gone. And where did he go? Went to the Karnapisashi, which Afendor. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity as idolatry. Okay. Lest any of you be hardened to the through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceitful, as I said, right? It's a crouching tiger, hidden dragon. Got the Oscar also. Who got sin? Sin got the Oscar. Hmm. Angly, right? Life of Pi. Another sin. Another sin called Brokeback Mountain. Okay. Shucks, man. I mean, using all these, oh, giving, you should not, maybe you should edit it, bro. <laughs> or beep it, I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See that. So, don't be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Second. So, the, the word of God, so how do you keep yourself in the love of God? By ensuring that you have faith, rather. Increase my faith, Lord. So that I can, so how, so in what context did they ask, Lord, increase our faith? If your brother comes to you and he sins against you and if he repents, forgive. Basically in that only, no. In showing mercy. In showing mercy. 
That is how you keep yourself in the love of God. Okay? So first, increase your faith. Therefore, uh, deal with unbelief. Second, if you go back to Jude and verse 6, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own habitation or abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under the darkness for the judgment of that great day. Meaning, know your position in the family of God. Don't jump into places where you are not you are not called for. I told you, right? What what did uh, uh, this guy say? I will be like the who? The Most High. I will be like El Elyon. Anna. That's not for you. Be content in the position that God has placed you under. Don't leave that. They left their own abode. There's a place that God has put you in the body of Christ. And if you are a, a, a member in the body of Christ, which is not to be seen outside, that means you have what honor? More honor, not less honor. Do you know that? Hidden members have more honor. Heart has more honor, right? Brain has more honor. Can you see my brain? Oh my goodness. But you know something? Isaac, what's his name? Uh, Albert Einstein's brain, they have put it in the uh, in the museum and they are analyzing it even today. They are giving brain of Albert Einstein so much honor. That which cannot be seen. Okay. So don't leave it. Don't say, I want to be this. I want to be that. You don't have any idea. You, you think that uh, when you come into the, that's what I said, right? Whenever you see the preaching ministry, you think it's a, it's a position of authority, power. No, you have no idea what kind of attack will you be, you'll be exposed to. And if you're not ready for it, boy, <laughs> you will just put your tail between your legs and you'll run for your life. Very, very dangerous, all these things are. Okay, understand? Because you are the visible part. You're showing yourself. It's like, you know, you are like putting your head and saying, I am the one. Okay, you can attack me. It's like that. Okay. So be ready for all these things. So, where, whichever position God, God has given you in, stay there. And then you will keep yourself in the love of God. <laughs> Very simple. Straightforward, no? If you are a child, be like a child. That's the reason why it says, children, honor your father and mother. Obey your parents in the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord, but always honor your father and your mother. Always. Honor them, but obey them in the Lord. Know this. Okay, one of the things is, these are, these are important things. Don't become a rebel. Very important. Hmm? Third, go back to verse seven. You'll see uh, what is what is in the. How do you keep yourself? As Sodom and Gomorrah. The third example he says, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, in a similar manner to these having given themselves to sexual immorality, strange flesh, set forth an example, suffering with the suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. These are all the consequences of a deeper malady. And what is the iniquity of Sodom? Sixteen forty nine of Ezekiel. We'll know exactly what it is. First, iniquity of your sister Sodom is what? 
pride. If you have pride, you will never be kept in, you will not, you can never keep yourselves in the love of God. Okay. That's what it says. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is not boastful. Love does not drag. It's not haughty. It is not proud. Love doesn't brag. It's not haughty and proud. Does not seek its own way. It's patient. It's kind. So first thing it says, deal with pride. So how do you do it? Humbling yourself. Okay, that's how it is. And that means making yourself accountable to somebody. Simple. Not doing your own thing. Okay. Then you will keep yourself in the love of God. Third, second is fullness of bread. (laughs) Means what? Absolute comfort. You see, comfort is in this world is an antithesis to the love of God. How do you get the love of God? With comfort? No. Romans chapter 5, verse 2 onwards. 2 to 5. In NASB. Actually, verse 3 to 5. 3 to 5. 3 to 5. 3 to 5. And not only this, we exult in tribulations. Tribulation, is it comfortable? No. Knowing this, that tribulation brings about perseverance. Perseverance brings about proven character and proven character brings about what? Hope. And hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. So, it is not the fullness of bread, it is the fullness of tribulations that you need. Not a comfortable life. Not an easy life. Ministry is not easy. It is tough. (laughs) Like pastor says, right? If, you know, ministry, you need to have a skin of a, of a dinosaur and then you have to have a heart of a, of a, whatever, I mean, the equivalents. A tender heart. Whichever has a tender heart. A dinosaur is prehistoric, so at least a rhinosaur, okay, or a crocodile maybe, I don't know. <laughs> it's got a thick skin. You see. And it's not, and you remember Isaac, Isaac, put the wood on your, on your back. Let's go up the mountain. Man, he was not, he used an easy life. Abraham said, boss, bend your back, work. Maybe Sarah was on, on the other hand, maybe she was, she spoiled him. Mera beta, eat. Eat, mera beta, eat. That's the reason why he had a eating disorder. That's how a lot of uh, mothers do, no? Are, you didn't eat, you're, you're not eating well. My wife is not cooking good meals for you. Oh. Okay. So, so many Indian mothers are like that. Okay. Even after they are in 40 years also, they'll be feeding. That's exactly what Sarah also made up done. I'm just speculating, no? Because Middle Eastern wives and Eastern wives, you know what you're talking about. And uh, she was, the, of course, after all the, after all the child of her old age, therefore there'll be a double love, etc. But on the other, Abraham said, he says, he commanded his children. Who's that? Can you just... Uh, it's, 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 bro, it's Excel connection, I think. Excel broadband. 
internet connection just de- deal with him okay excel connection broadband just deal with him ask him to come back in maybe in a few 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 minutes maybe in another half an hour will be done sit down sit down sit down everybody sit down settle down don't worry it's nothing has happened okay hope does not disappoint you see so he says work hard tribulations that is the reason my paul tells timothy endure hardship as a discipline as a good soldier of the lord jesus christ and you have to make every effort to please him so what happened to sodom they had fullness of bread means comfortable life comforts and then abundance of idleness too, too much of spare time too much of spare time so they watched season 1 season 2 season 3 etc etc repeat telecast mal and then they were absolutely apathetic to the poor and the needy in other words we are not talking about just feeding the poor it is simply because we we are not interested in preaching the gospel to the poor is for the gospel is for the who for the poor understand for the poor and the needy okay so she and her daughter had pride fullness of bread abundance of idleness neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy so that is what happened to sodom and therefore they if you have these you can never keep yourself in the love of god pride is an antithesis to love finally okay and then um then you go to 11 verse 11 woe to them for they have gone in the way of cain have run e- greedily in the error of balam and perished in the rebellion of korah so what happened to him if you turn with me to 416 of 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 genesis you will see what it, what is happening with cain what is it, what is happening with cain cain went out from the where of from the word of god from the presence of god why did he refu- why did he go out from the presence of god because he refused to mend his ways he refused to stay in the love of god god was correcting him he was giving him a chance he was not even going to destroy him and kill him in fact he was saying if anybody kills cain double punishment for him he went away from the presence of god and he dwelt in the land of nod you know what means nod means wanderings you'll never be settled in your life you think that you'll settle down it's a total total lie from the pits of hell you'll never be able to settle down i was listening to ssr sushant singh rajput's every interview of us you know what he says i've reached this pinnacle and after i reach this reach there i got it and i feel empty now and i need something else now i reach that point i get it and i feel empty again so that fellow he was a topper in aaa he was studying computer science in delhi college college of engineering okay third year he dropped out because he was not getting satisfied satisfaction over there and he dropped out and he went to theater he reached a high in theater and he went into television he reached a high in television and he used to just go to the supermarkets and to the malls so that people would recognize him he used to get a high when you know people used to recognize him oh hey 
I saw you on television. And after a while, after a while, he got tired of that also, of fame. Then he said, okay, next, next thing, he, at the peak of his television career, he quits television and he goes to movies. And this is what he says in every interview. You reach that point and you go to that point and once you reach there, you have like 95% pain for 5% of pleasure. But I want that pleasure every moment. Wanderings. So many wanderers in the world. In your presence is what forevermore? <laughs> Pleasures forevermore. There's only one person who can give you pleasure like that. That is God. Dwelt in the land of Nod. Dwelt in the land of wanderings. Why? He didn't want to dwell in the love of God. He didn't keep himself in the love of God. He would never take correction. He left the place of warning and he went into the place of wandering. That's what I told you, right? Sin. He never takes responsibility for sin. So somebody said, right? Sin is like a brat nobody wants to take it responsible for. It's like a brat. Who's this brat? Is he your son? No, no, not my son. I don't know him. No, I don't know. The kid is not my son. Billy Jean. No, not my son, not my son. He's a brat. Because you get embarrassed, right, when you see a brat? Oh, whose son is this? Let go. So, then again, go back to whom? To, 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 uh, Jude and verse 11, it says, um, they have run greedily after the error of Balaam for profit. And he, he, Peter talks about this. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 15 and 16, look at what he says. He says, they have forsaken, again you see that? They have forsaken the right way and gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness but he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. Going mad. It was after gain. You know, when you, whenever you have this question, what is in it for me? Na kenti. And a question again, Uncle. You'll never keep yourself in the love of God. What is in it for me? There is nothing, actually. And there is everything at the same time. That's what he says, right? Those who lose their life will <laughs> gain it. Those who lose their life for my sake and for my gospel and for the gospel's sake will gain it, but whoever keeps his life will lose it. Lose your life, keep yourself. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? Lose your life, keep yourself in the love of God. Lose your life and keep yourself in the love of God. And finally, he says, if you turn to, I'm not going into the details of it. It says, uh, Jude 1, uh, Jude 1 and 11, they've perished in the rebellion of Korah. Greedy for positions of authority. Greedy. Okay, don't try to become a board member. 
when you are not ready for it. See this, Jesus never tried to look for a position on this earth. Are you the son of, he is called the what of the, he is called the high priest after the order of what? Melchizedek. No, think about it, right? Did he ever usurp the office of the high priest when he was on earth? Who gave it to him? The high priest gave it. Are you the son of the living God? Yes, I am. (laughs) He tore his robes. Never supposed to tear the robes of the high priest. He tore his robes. Finished. The office jumped from him onto Jesus and now he becomes the eternal high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Did he ever look for positions of authority? Never. He says, he humbled himself and made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a bond servant and became obedient and even obedient to the death of the cross and therefore God raised him up and gave him a name above every other name so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord and God says one day all your enemies are going to come and sit at your footstool he says to the church also all your enemies will come humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you when in due time so run away from these fellows like the sons of Korah (laughs) Don't become like Korah, but become like the sons of Korah. Run away from him. That is how you keep yourself in the love of God. Okay. So what happens to this guy? <laughs> what happens to this guy? This guy, he leaves Jerusalem. And he is waylaid by thieves. And you know what happens to him. But now the restoration has to start, right? How does the restoration start? Let's turn now to um, Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, and verse 31 onwards. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on to the other side. You see how deep the word of God is? (laughs) We looked at abiding, just abiding. We've just gone through from Genesis to almost Revelation. We just ended in Jude. But even in Revelation also has the same kind of teaching. The teaching doesn't change, by the way. So now by chance a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Like was a Levite. He arrived at that place, came, looked and passed by on the other side. The Levite was better than the priest, by the way. He came, he looked, <laughs> he said too much, <laughs> can't do it, and he left. Okay. So, so both, <laughs> both the Levite and the priest, they, 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 they represent the law. So what does the law do? Waste fellow. You are a waste fellow. It says, you deserve to die. You're half dead. Let me take a stone and kill you. That's what the law says. You deserve it. The letter, Kills. The spirit brings life. Okay, you're half dead. You deserve to die completely. So what does, what does he do? Then came a certain Samaritan. Certain Samaritan, Kone bhai? They called him what? You are a 
Samaritan and you have a demon. Call them the Samaritan. And he doesn't really get bothered by all that, right? I mean, it's, it's amazing, like Pastor says, right? If you don't, if it doesn't apply, let it fly. I mean, they called him all kinds of names, but he never bothered. It's a beautiful verse in John's Gospel chapter 13. He says, Jesus, that knowing from where he came and knowing that where he was going and that all things were given to him by his father, what does he do? He takes away his outer garments, puts over, puts his uh, towel and washes the feet of the disciples. You know, when you know that you are a son, you are a king, you are a king. You can't change that. Raja, Raja. Raja is Raja, wherever he is. He's royalty. That cannot change. So what happened? A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. I like that. What did he do? He came to the place where he was fallen. He came to the point. You know what? God always meets us in the place where we have fallen. That is how he starts restoration. He never says, how many times are told you like evil fathers like me? He comes to that place and he sits, okay, let's let's fix it, he says. Oh, you messed up? Let's fix it. What a God! God is a God of mercy where he comes to our position like that. Turn to uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 9 to 11. Matthew chapter 12, verse 9 to 11. Look at what it says. Now when he had departed from there, he went into the synagogue. And what happened? When behold, there was a man who, was wither- who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they, that they might accuse him? And he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep and if it falls down into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out. Will you go and reason with the animal you follow? How many times I told you? <laughs> no, you just lift it out. So amazing, right? Luke 14.5. Luke 14.5. Luke 14 verse 5. Actually, uh, we can we can go we can go back just to finish those verses uh, in Matthew chapter twelve, and then we'll come back to uh, uh, what man. And then verse twelve will not lay hold of it. How much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then you have fallen. If an ox falls and you go and lift him up, go to that place and you don't reason with the animal. How much more value of value is this man? I was thinking about this in the morning. I was thinking about my own life. The kind of things I did to mess up my own life. The mess that you make because of your foolishness. And because of your sin. Don't call it foolishness. Okay? Oh, it's a mistake. No, it's a sin. Hmm. Of your Because of your rebellion. And then the mess that you create. And what does God do? He comes down to your level. To where he was. He doesn't say, come up. Of course, first he takes us up, but he first comes down to our level. That's God. 
Isn't that amazing, right? The cry of Sodom and Gomorrah, I've heard. But I've come down to see. And that is the reason why the people of Sodom will come, will, will rise up against you in judgment. Because they have, if, if the things that are, that, that have been done in your midst were done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented. Nineveh will rise up that day. Because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. Behold, greater than Jonah is here. He comes down to our level. First thing he does is comes down. So one of the things that we have to learn, God teach us to come down to to the other's level. Very difficult to do that. What a convicting thing, right? Uh, Pastor was talking about about Moses. Moses has his attitude. You have to come up to my level. (laughs) You have to go down to their level first. To their level. And then, turn, turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 5. And he answered and said to them, Which of you having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit will not immediately pull him out? On the Sabbath. Five, John's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 5 to 7. This Two precious are truths not to think about. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity. How many years? 38 years. Jesus saw him lying there and you knew that already had been in that condition for a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be made well? He goes to that person's level. Do you want to be made well? Okay. So he goes down to that level. And then second... It says, if you turn, turn back to Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. He says, he came to where he was. Second, it says, he saw him. What did he do? He saw him. The Levite also came and looked upon him and he left. But he saw him. Like we heard yesterday, right? El Rohi. What does El Roy mean? The God who sees. Who says that? Hagar. And how are they treating Hagar like a, like a, like a thing? Oh, we don't have a child. Take my handmaid. Have a child through her. Now she's creating trouble. Ah, oh, do whatever you want to do with her. Uh, she's under your authority. Makes life miserable for her. She runs away. Lord, do you see my plight? Do you see what is happening to me? And the question that the angel of the Lord asks is very interesting. Hagar, maid servant of Sarah. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? <laughs> maid servant of Sarah. Where are you coming from and where are you going? Lord, she meets him there, he meets him there and he says, go back to your, to your, to your, uh, to your mistress and submit yourself to her. And she calls that names what? Beerlai Roy. Okay, El Roy, which means the God who sees. Isn't it interesting? Where does Isaac meet Rebecca? <laughs> At El Roy. At the same well where God meets Hagar. Because he is a God who sees. He sees. 
everything the good the bad and the ugly that we do the things that people have done for us they have done to us what god sees he saw him there turn to exodus please chapter 2 verses 23 to 25 Exodus chapter 2 verses 23 to 25. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of their bondage and they cried out and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. And then look at what it says. God heard their groaning. groaning. The God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel. And God acknowledged him. He is a God who sees. He is not He's not hiding his face. He sees. God who sees. Then go back to 1 John. Sorry, Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. He came to where he was. Second, he saw where he was. And third, he just didn't went, go away and say, ah, nice happened. <laughs> you know what he said? He had compassion. He had pity on him. He had pity. Have pity on me. That's exactly how beggars cry, right? Amma. They say, Telugu, it's very interesting. Dharmam chayand amma. You know what dharmam chayand means? Please, mm, <laughs> do the rightful thing to me. Something like that. No? To that effect. Exercise, I mean, righteousness towards me something like that something to do with that i cannot exactly translate it into into words but into you know into our language we says had pity he had compassion it's exactly what jesus looks at the crowd and he says he was moved with what with compassion because he saw them that they had they were sheep without a shepherd he was moved with compassion he said give them food yes compassion Judges chapter 2, verses 16 onwards, 15 actually. Whenever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn to them. And they were greatly distressed. And then, nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of those who had plundered them. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. And verse 18, And the Lord raised up judges for them. The Lord was with the judge and delivered them into the hand of their uh, delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved with what? To pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. And then, And it came to pass when the judge was dead, they reverted back and behaved more corruptly. But he kept on having pity. How many times did I have to tell you? But if it's your own daughter or your own son, what do you do? You continuously have pity. <laughs> and you take action when it is needed. You can't disown your child. God can't disown his children. So he has pity, he had compassion. And the cry of everybody, irrespective of 
what kind of social status that you belong to. You know what the cry of every heart is? Lord, have pity upon me. Look towards me with kindness. Turn with Job. Turn to Job, chapter nineteen. The one who is being persecuted. <laughs> what does it? What does what Job mean? The one who is hated. The one who is persecuted. Look at what he says in chapter nineteen, verse twenty-one and twenty-two. Twenty-one and twenty-two. Have pity on me. Have pity on me, oh my friends. <laughs> I like that. Have pity on me. Have pity on me, of oh, my friends. For the Lord, for the hand of the Lord has struck me. Why do you persecute me as God does and are not satisfied with my flesh? Have pity on me. Have pity on me. With friends like these, who needs enemies, Baba? Really? Oh, Sami, you are going through trouble. I think this is the reason why you are going through this trouble. Do this, do this. They, they add insult to injury, as I say, no? Because of that, they were jealous, basically, of Job. Okay, they were waiting for that fellow to fall. And the moment he fell, opportunity came. And after the whole discourse is over, God visits them and he says, I am upset with you. I want to destroy you fellows. But do one thing. <laughs> Go to Job. He will pray for you. <laughs> and I will forgive your iniquity. <laughs> I like that. Awesome. How the whole table changed at the end of the drama. Have pity on me. Have pity on me. And what does the Samaritan do? He has pity. Pity to the, to the guy who left, left Jerusalem? Pity to the guy who, who left the covering of God? The, the care of God? The teaching of God? The coaching of God? The control of God? The chastising of God? You still have pity on him? Absolutely. Why? It is a kindness of God which leads us to what? Repentance. What is the mercy of God many for us? He has compassion on us. Do we have compassion on others? Second Samuel chapter twelve verse six. Second Samuel chapter twelve verse six. What does David speak from his mouth when Nathan confronts him. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Ah! I'm going to judge you by your own words. The son will die. Amnon will die. Absalom will die. Adonijah will die. You did not show pity. The Lord will not show pity to you. You forgot your compassion. What did I call you to be? A shepherd. What is a shepherd supposed to do? Extend mercy and compassion. You didn't have pity. You will be treated without mercy. That's what it says in uh, James, right? Judgment will be severe for the guy who shows no mercy. <laughs> Let us ask God for hearts of compassion. And then go back to, to Luke's gospel chapter 10. Let's read that verse. 
So he went to him. I like that. Ten things he does, by the way. Complete. Okay. Ten things. So he went to him. What did he do? He went near to him. He was not antiseptic. Oh, you are having trouble. I will send somebody. Okay. He will take care of you. No. <laughs> See, it's very easy to give money. <laughs> it's very difficult to go. <laughs> It's it's very interesting, right? The, in the rebuilding of Jerusalem, in the rebuilding of Jerusalem, very few people wanted to get their hands dirty. Other one, others, other people wanted to send with others with money. They wanted to be stay. They wanted to stay comfortable in Babylon. Oh, the walls of Jerusalem are broken and they're coming down. Are you in distress? No. Oh, yeah, I'm in distress. Uh, who's gonna go? Nehemiah is going. Okay, okay. Let me support his ministry. You know what it says in the book of Nehemiah? All those whose spirits got stirred up, they went back and dirtied their hands and started building Jerusalem. It's not easy. You can be 150 miles away and say, you know what, oh, I have pity on Africa. 1,500 miles away and say, I have pity on Africa. I have pity on this place and I have pity on that place. There's one thing to say that and one thing to go there in the midst and get your hands dirty. <laughs> it's a total different thing altogether. It's interesting. When God God did all the other creation, He spoke by His word. But what did He do with man? He got His hands dirty. God Himself involved. He took the reproach. It's amazing what it says when he goes to Jordan and John says, I should be baptizing you. You're asking me to baptize. I mean, you should be baptizing me and you're asking me to baptize you. Let this be done so that we might fulfill all righteousness. What does it mean? What does that mean? Everybody was going into Jordan confessing their sins. They were all standing in a line and son of God also comes and stands in his line. What did they do? If they had to get into the waters of baptism, what did they do? They were supposed to confess their sins. So one guy would have said, you know what, I beat up my wife. I'm repenting now. The other guy would have said, you know, I steal a lot of money. What do you do, brother? I don't want to say, oh, maybe he might have done something so horrible that he can't even say out publicly. That is what is getting your hands dirty. Oh, something is wrong with him. Oh, criminal number one, criminal number two, criminal number three. What this fellow did, what have done to deserve this kind of a horrible death? Ah, all babas, we, we know so many babas these days. Maybe this is also one of those babas. He might have had some, some secret sins nobody knows. That is the reason why God punished him like this. Oh, if you're really the son of God, come down. Oh, my dear brothers. That is the reason why, you know what it says in the book of Hebrews. Let us go outside the camp bearing his reproach. Because Christ himself went outside the camp bearing our reproach. Getting your hands dirty is different. It's a different thing altogether. To be involved completely and it's a mess. 
It's a mess. And when your chi- when your child vomits, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? You clean her up. So many times my children vomit. We used to vomit when they were babies, right? What do we do? We clean her up. They mess up. We clean up. They mess up. We clean up. We get our hands dirty. That is what it means to go near to him. I don't want to. Think about a holy God who lived in absolute sinless environment. If you want to talk about 100% purity, germ-free environment, see, th- forget about a germ. Sin can't dwell, which is which is more dangerous, sin or germs. So how extremely clean heaven was. Extremely clean. When people come from America, those days, no, when at least ten a decade and a half ago or two decades ago, they used to carry with themselves Kinle. Kinle, Aquafina, those are the only two brands those days. And uh, Bisleri. Yeah, thank you, Bisleri. Three brand, three brands. Oh, you're from America. Yes, right? There's water in your country. Chi. Chi, chi, chi. We don't want to get sick. Huh. Okay. We're a missionary. And you don't want to eat this. Okay. Great. Think about that. So he went to him. In other words, he was prepared to get his hands dirty. Dirt will stick to him. Yeah. That's exactly what happened to him. It dirt didn't stick to him. He became sin for us. You have no idea what that means. It says he who had no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What in that world that sentence means? Think about that. He who was a, he became a curse for us. It says, cursed is a man that hangs on a tree. Can you imagine? Strong bulls of Bashan have surrounded me. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Dogs have surrounded me. We have no idea what it means for him to go onto the cross and to be identified with sinners in in completeness, completely, meaning you become cursed, you become sin, so that we can become righteous and so that you can become that we can become a blessing. That is what it means to go to him. And then what does he do? He bandaged his wounds. He bandaged his wounds. And that wound, the word wound, appears only once in the entire New Testament. Do you know that? In the New Testament, the word is translated as trauma. Actually, it's trauma in Greek. Trauma in Greek. Traumatos, actually. Wounds, traumatized. That's what happens, right? When when lions, when uh, when uh, thieves ambush you, boy, you're traumatized completely. You're broken into several pieces. So many people are traumatized, right from childhood. The kind of trauma that they've gone through. Like we listen to the Q&A sessions. You have to, you have no idea, certain people, how, what kind of trauma they have gone through. 
trauma. Look at what it says in Isaiah chapter 4. Verse 5 to 6. Oh, so, sorry, 1, 1. Chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Chapter 1 of Isaiah, verses 1 and 6. Why should you be stricken again? You revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart faints from the sole of your foot to the, even to the head. There is no soundness in it. What do we have? Wounds, bruises, putrefying sores. They have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointment. Hmm. From the sole of your feet to the crown of your head. That's exactly how he was crucified on the cross, right? From the sole of his feet to the crown of his head. Crushed. He was traumatized for us so that we can be made whole. <laughs> Boy, we have no idea about the love of Christ. About the mercy of God. So what does he do? He bandages them. He puts it all together. I mean, he's like <laughs> orthopedic surgeon, no? <laughs> You become peace, peace. And he puts you all together. Bones, your flesh and everything puts you all together. You are like one piece of absolute helpless lump. Nobody even wants you. In the spiritual realm, do we see ourselves that way? From the sole of our feet, to the crown of our head. Wounds, bruises and putrefying. You know what putrefying is? Like the pus coming out like that. Pus, it's like oozing with pus and boils. That's how it is in our spiritual realm. We don't even see it. Because you're not. it's not tangible for us. Physical is only a parable of the soul, right? In fact, it's more real in the soul than it is in the in the physical. Full of bruises. Full of cracks full of broken brokenness and whole world is full of broken traumatized people and what does God say you know what does God say you know what I will come near to you I will get my hands dirty and you know what I'm going to do I'm going to bind you up and that's the reason why I, I sometimes really uh, say boys a doctor's job is not easy what kind of diseases they have to touch and expose themselves to <laughs> When, when you see our wound, you say, eh, and you run for our life. And what does the doctor, doctors, do, what do doctors do? Instead of running from the wound, they attack the wound. They cut it. They take the pus out. <laughs> I wanted to be a doctor. My mom said no. Thank God she said no. <laughs> One thing I don't like to handle, something which is not there in, inside of me. Maybe only when it comes to my own children, I do it possibly. But for somebody else, and God does it for us. He doesn't just let us go. He comes and says, you know what? I'm going to bind you. I'm going to fix you. Let's fix it together, okay? Okay, you messed up? Fine. Let's fix it now. Let's fix it. So what does he do? Come, let us reason together, he says, right? <laughs> Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Come, let us reason together. Though your sin is a scarlet, they shall be white as snow. 
crimson, there will be a spool. And if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the best of the land. Isaiah chapter 1. Put that. Yeah. Come now. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Don't hide your sin. Confess it. And what does he do? He starts to bind him up. That's what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to bind up the broken hearted, the traumatized, to make them one who are split into so many different people. We are only double minded. Some people are triple minded and uh, 2500 minded. Because we know from BBC, you know, we know that person who had 2500 personal, alter personalities. And you should see the interview, okay? Suddenly one person has come and comes on and she's not lying. It's a fact. They, they live with those personalities. Because they've been traumatized right from childhood. And most of them have gone through abuse. And what does God do? He doesn't leave those <laughs> people like this. Okay, let me just make you one. God, man makes you into fractions. God makes you into an integer. That's what Leopold Kronecker in his, in his, in his, in his spiritual mood made a statement. You know what he said? God made integers and all else is a work of man. God made integers and all else is a work of man. To fraction, to divide, to break down societies. Everything is a work of man. It's exactly what is happening even now. Nations are rising against nations. One nation under God getting fragmented on stupid things. And you know by the way they react, they are not actually serious about it. They just want rebellion and anarchy. So what does he do? Next, go back, goes back, go back to Luke's gospel. He bandaged the wounds, and how does he bandage it? He pouring in the oil and the wine. Oil is to soothen. Oil is like the anesthesia, and wine is like the antiseptic. What is it? Antiseptic. How does he do it? Psalm one zero seven, verses seventeen to twenty one. I love this. Twenty two, seventeen to twenty two. Let's read it together. Everybody say, fools, okay? <laughs> fools, because of their transgressions and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food and they drew near the gates of death. That's exactly what happened to this fellow. He's half dead. They drew near the gates of death, the portals of eternal separation from God. And then what happens? Verse 21, verse 19. And they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them out of their distresses. And let's look at the next verse. He sent his word. We all read this verse and we say he sent forth his word. But when did he send forth his word? Why did he have to send forth his word? Because we as fools transgressed. He sent forth his word, healed them. And delivered them from all their destructions. And verse 21 and 22 will say, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. For his 
goodness. There is a goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And for his wonderful works to the children of men, let them sacrifice a sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. He bound me up. Okay, He binds us up. And what does he do? He pours in oil and he pours in wine. Disinfects us. It cleanses us by the word. That's the reason why he says, you're clean because of the what? Because of the word that has been spoken to you. The antiseptic. The word is the antiseptic. Let it become sur-sur. It has to heal us. Only when it is sur, then it is healing. Otherwise, it is not healing. It has to burn. And then it heals. 30, Jeremiah 16 and 17. Therefore, all those who devour you shall be devoured and all your adversaries, every one of them shall go into captivity. Those who plunder you, those who plunder you shall be plundered, uh, shall become plunder and all who prey upon you will be, will be made a prey and look at verse 21. For I will restore what to you? Health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord, because they called you an outcast saying, this is Zion, no one seeks her. That's exactly what, how people get traumatized. Hey, you're nothing, Ray. get out! Useless fellow. And all their life useless, 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 useless. Broken, traumatized. And even after they become come to the Lord, bro, you can do it. No, I can't do it. There's low on self-esteem. They don't even know the giftings that they have. I know so many people that are so gifted. But they can't do anything because you know, totally traumatized. They have such a low self-esteem. Right from childhood they've been called all kinds of names. And what does God do? He sends forth his word and he heals them. He heals them. He pours in the oil and he pours in the wine. He gets his hands dirty. And then, and what does he do? He then go back to 1 John chapter, sorry, Luke's gospel chapter 10. And he sets him on his own animal. I like that. Oh, you can't carry yourself? I will carry you. I remember somebody told me about the shepherd. I don't remember exactly who it is. When a shepherd goes astray, you know what does a shepherd do? He goes, he finds the sheep, he breaks its leg first. And then it binds it. <laughs> now the fellow is screaming, ah, ah. So what does the shepherd do now? He puts him on his animal, on his shoulder and he carries him. Puts him on his shoulder. So what does God do? He sends an animal into your life called Andrew. I didn't say that. Go to John's Gospel chapter 1. Verse 40 and 41. 41 and 42. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah! Which is translated the Christ. We have found Eureka. Eureka! Messiah. Not Archimedes didn't say that first, okay? Uh, <laughs> Andrew said that first. Eureka! <laughs> and he, he first, and then what happened? He brought him to, what did he do? He brought him to Jesus. You'll see all the time, Andrew is the one who's bringing people to Christ. Oh, there's nobody, how much food we do we have? Um, uh, three months of wages will not, six months of wages will not be able to feed, feed these guys. And Andrew brings somebody. Greeks will come, and they're outside. Andrew is a go-getter. Okay. Uh, uh, so what do you want? Uh, can you can you give us an audience with uh, Jesus, please? Come, come, come. So he takes the Greeks. He is the animal. That's the animal ministry. 
Can you be the animal upon whom God can set forth this fellow so that you can take him to the end? It's his own animal, right? That means who, the Samaritan has somebody who belongs to him. You know what God says in First uh, Corinthians chapter 16? You were bought at a price and you are God's. You are not yourself. Therefore, honor God in your bodies. You know what God does? Hey, hey, come here, come here, come here. Vijay, let me put a few animals on you. I mean, sorry, put a few souls on you. Bear the burden. Take them to the end. They can't carry themselves. They're weak. It's our privilege, right? <laughs> and brings them to the inn. That's what Issachar stands for. He looked at those two saddlebags and he looked at the pleasant land. He says, this is very good. Between these two saddlebags, I'm there. Let us, it is good to carry the burden because I see the pleasure, the pleasant land on the other side. He gives, gives, gives himself, gives his back so that he can bear the burden. And then what happens? He brings them to the inn. So, Jeremiah chapter 3 verses 14 to 15. Can you put it in the KJV only? KJV. KJV. 314 to 16. Okay, 14 to 15. It's enough. Turn, O backsliding children, says the Lord. I am married to you and I will take you one of a city, two of a family and I will bring you to Zion. And I will give you pastors after my own heart who shall feed you with Knowledge and understanding. Knowledge and understanding. So he brings him to the end. He brings us to Christ. It says, um, Christ died for our sins, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God. Once he died for our sins, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God. So he brings us to him. And then what does he do? He go back to... Uh, uh, Chapter Luke, Luke's Gospel, chapter ten, and was brought him to an end. And he, who took care of him? He took care of him. How did he take care of him? He says in Ephesians chapter four, verses eleven and eleven to fourteen. That's enough. We will stop. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So so that we are no longer children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So he takes care of him. And finally, go back to Luke's Gospel chapter 10. I mean, what he, what he says. And verse 35. And we will stop. On the next day, when he departed, he took took out two dinari and gave them to the innkeeper. And what did he say? Take care of him. Whatever you spend, when I come back, I will repay. First, John, John's Gospel chapter 21. John's Gospel chapter 21. Verse 15 onwards. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes Lord, you know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs. 
Then, <laughs> then he says, he said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend my sheep. And then he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So one first Peter chapter 5 verses 1 to 4. To the elders who are among you, I exhort you, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as what? Overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not as being lords over the end, over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd returns, he'll repay you. How? You will receive a crown of glory that does not fail. All the shepherds, if you're truly a shepherd, are not just a teacher, will get a crown of glory, which will congregation members will not get. (laughs) Which will never fade away. Never fade away. I think one of the things that we'll sing all through eternity is the song of who? Song of Moses, the first shepherd. The shepherd is able, they say, but actually the shepherd who really, really fulfilled the office of a shepherd, Abel was killed before he could shepherd. The first person who literally filled the office of a shepherd is Moses. And we'll sing forever the song of Moses. And then, let's go back to Luke's Gospel chapter 10. And let's read verse 36. And we'll stop. 36 and 37. So which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, go and do Likewise, go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We praise you, we worship you. Thank you, Father, for your word. Let your word continue to do its work in our lives. And wrought eternal life and the character of Christ. We thank you, we praise you. For in Jesus' name, Amen.